0: Welcome back to another episode of Practical Nutrition. I'm Alex. I'm Cassie. I'm Amanda. And I'm Maria. And today we have an interesting topic. We are talking about healthcare professionals and scope of practice. So if you didn't know, there are many types of healthcare professionals who work in a growing number of healthcare areas. These professionals have different levels of education, registration, and accreditation requirements to practice in their field. So as a consumer, we can understand that it can be really difficult to differentiate between these professionals, what their scope of practice is, kind of what they do, because um, it's easy to be like referred to many different people. So today we want to provide some practical insight into what each type of healthcare professional does, each profession's scope of practice, and gain clarification as to our roles in helping you achieve your best health. Because frankly, these lines can get kind of blurry
1: sometimes. Yes. <laughs>
2: Yeah. It can
0: be it can be challenging. It can be hard to figure it out. Um, and at this table, we've got myself and Cassie and Amanda, who are dietitians, mm-hmm. um, and we are the experts in nutrition and the human diet. So if you're looking for somebody who is an expert, you're looking for a dietitian. And just to kind of reiterate, our education. So we have to have an undergrad degree. Uh, we have to complete supervised practice requirements, and we must complete at least 1,200 hours of that supervised practice, pass the national exam, um, and then you have to stay up to date with your CEUs and all that kind of stuff. And January 1st of 2024, you do have to have a master's degree to be a dietitian. So um, in our general scope, and we're gonna go through like other professions, general scope as well. And this is not a comprehensive list, we're not saying this is exactly what people can and can't do, it's more so here's kind of what we know generally that people can do. Um, So for dietitians, practice MNT, which is kind of the main differing factor in like a dietitian versus a a nutritionist, is that we can practice medical nutrition therapy. Um, Apply the nutrition care process, perform assessments, um, complete nutrition-focused physical exams, especially in like a clinical setting. Um, Recommend, perform, or interpret test results. Order and monitor nutrition-related lab values, again, more so in like a clinical setting. Um, Order and monitor nutrition interventions, clinical setting. Um, Provide nutrition counseling, nutrition behavior therapy, health and wellness coaching. Um, Recommend physical activity, especially because we're all trainers here as well. Um, So, again, lots of different things that we do, assess and counsel for the treatment of food allergies, evaluate, educate, and counsel uh, related to nutrition genomics and genomics. Genomics? Now I'm, like, second-guessing how to say that. I think it's genomics. Genomics, Genomics. thank you. Yeah. And disease interactions. Um, But then some limitations is that we cannot provide a medical diagnosis. We can't write prescriptions. So there are some limitations within each profession. So... That's kind of just generally going over what a dietitian is, what we do. Um, so if you come to see us, then that's kind of our scope,
1: what we offer. I think some people think it's when they hear dietitian that you guys are working with food and diet, mm-hmm. and that's like your main thing. But really, I mean, that's a that's a part a part of it. But mm-hmm. you really do look at if someone has diabetes or other health issues, and it, each person is different. Then there's not just one plan for everybody that you have
0: yeah and I think you're right in saying like definitely the food part is a huge piece of it um but too like looking at people's labs and then providing that counseling um and that piece of it's a huge part of what we do in that
1: kind of like that coaching overall I just don't know how many yeah. people really knew that. Yeah, you know? it
2: is different, and I don't think a lot of people know what we do on a right. day-to-day basis, like you said, Maria. And so, um, and we're not, you know, we're not like the diet police, and we're, you know, right. I think a lot of people feel that too, or just it's
1: an old, concept, you know, yes, you know, an and belief. so
2: right, an old belief too. I know when I, I did my internship in the hospital many years ago, it was always they, you know, wanted to tell me about how they didn't like the food, and that was because that was what I was in charge of, and I was like, I don't <laughs> have anything to do with the food, really, right. you know, but I'm in the hospital at this on this rotation, you know. I want to talk about your heart disease, or well, you know, whatever. Right. So, um, but you know, it is. I think the big difference really with dietitians is we have the education background to really understand how the body works, and so that gives us that really good foundation. So we can, you know, look at what's happening and what the best choices are going to be for our people, and work with them to find, you know, again their journey and with a behavior change piece as well. You know, we're educated in a lot of those things that um, aren't necessarily what other people who are doing nutrition maybe have that foundation. So that's a big difference. Right. And like you said,
0: what what you'll find in some of these professions is that they might take like a couple nutrition courses, but what our whole life is, is nutrition, you know, like that's our expertise. Um, So if you're looking for the expert, come find
2: Yes. yes. And I will say I, I would in private practice, as far as dietitians go, um, I don't know many people who aren't passionate about, it. like you said, that's, that's our life because, you know, it is a lot of requirements to be a dietitian. It's a lot of education. It's a lot of, you know, continuing stuff. And it actually, frankly, is a pretty hard profession mm-hmm. to do and it doesn't pay well, you know? And so, so I think, you know, just speaking to what you said, you know, we have to be passionate about it. And, um, because it's not an easy journey to even be a dietitian and they make it, you know, really, really difficult actually. Um, and so in the whole process and to maintain it. So, um, so anyway, I just want to throw that out there that it's just not like we woke up one day we're like, Oh, this, this diet worked for me. So I'm going to go, you know, explain this and show everyone else how it works. That's not it at all. So totally. Yeah. I think
0: that's so important to differentiate. I mean, it's six, seven, eight years of schooling. If you're going to do your master's and then to pass the exam. And like Cassie said, we do a ton of like continuing ed mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff just to keep up with our credentials um, and kind of moving into another piece of it. So nutritionist, which People call us that too, which is fine. But Mm -hmm. there is a difference between a dietitian and a nutritionist. Um, So, just anyone who completes a degree in nutrition or related field doesn't have to be nutrition can technically refer to themselves as a nutritionist. Uh, So, this encompasses all varying levels of education. It's not a title that belongs to any professional accreditation. So, really, there's no code of ethics. So, just keeping that in mind, um, they are nutritionists are limited in what they can do in many states. Um, so for example they don't necessarily have a certification a license or clinical experience uh, so they are not allowed to perform MNT which is that medical nutrition therapy
1: that I was talking about that dietitians can do correct
0: yeah um, so again just something to be aware of whenever you are looking at you know what somebody does and the name Um, because that's kind of what we're talking about today is that job scope. Um, So just keeping that in mind when you're picking like dietitian and nutritionist.
3: Yeah, we live in a really interesting time where health is such a trendy thing. Like it's almost people use it as like part of their self worth is like how much money they spend on health or how much time they spend on bettering their health. And sometimes you're not always bettering your health if you're not seeing a professional who has your best interest at heart. But nutritionist even though it's technically anyone who completes a degree in nutrition or related field there's not a lot of people out there enforcing that okay if I put nutritionist on my website or my business card or my Facebook are they actually a nutritionist so it would be worth your time to investigate deeper into their credentials and into their education to make sure that that is legitimate.
2: Yeah, I completely agree. Yes. And also, you know, just to point out too, um, this isn't a black and white thing, whereas we're saying, okay, anyone who's not a registered dietitian um, is not going to be helping you, you know, yeah. and so they don't know what they're talking about. There are a lot of people who don't go through all of those things that we go through to be a dietitian mm-hmm. that have a lot of background, know a lot and really help a lot of people. Um, but again, we just are saying be aware of who you are working with. And, you know, there are people people that maybe don't have credentials that do know what they're talking about, and there are probably people that have credentials and don't know necessarily, um, maybe they aren't staying up with the most recent research or other things. So it's not, again, we're not just saying, okay, you have to work with this person um, that has this background, but just know, like Amanda said, I think she really hit the nail on the head, is this is really trendy right now. There are billions and billions and billions of dollars in this um, type of field if you're going out and just doing it however you want to and you know, creating a brand for yourself. People are doing that with social media um, and again, creating businesses um, that really are looking to get a piece of that billion dollar industry. And so um, we have gotten a lot of questions about this. We are seeing a lot of things that are upsetting to us as professionals. Um, and so we're just wanting to make sure that you understand who you're working with, what their background is. And so you can be empowered to make the best decision for you.
0: We could like mic drop there and be. Done. Yeah, I know.
2: <laughs> there are different
0: got, levels of expertise. It's so yeah. true. It's very true. But we've got to move on into some other professions and we're going to move into now chiropractics. Um, so, working with a chiropractor. So, chiropractors are doctors of chiropractic care, aka professionals devoted to providing non invasive, personalized care by identifying and treating neuromuscular disorders and related symptoms. Um, however, they're not referred to as medical doctors just so everybody knows. Um, so education about it. Um, so they're undergrad and pre-med studies and obtain a bachelor's degree prior to admission to a postgraduate chiropractic college. And then you may be eligible to enroll in a doctor of chiropractic degree program. So they are doctors of chiropractics, just not medical doctors. Um, so three and a half to five years, those programs take, that length of time and then it requires a minimum of about 4,200 hours at a chiropractic college which often includes a couple nutrition course- courses which we talked about earlier um, and then you got to pass a series of exams administered by the National Board of Chiropractic Examiners and secure licensure licensure in the state where you plan to per- to practice. So quite a rigorous background. Yes. Education and everything. Yeah. Um, um, so now kind of moving to What do chiropractors do? So again, this isn't all they do, but just like generally speaking. Um, So really their foundation revolves around the relationship between the spine and the nervous system. So chiropractors believe that structural misalignments of the muscular skeletal system directly and indirectly affect pretty much everything. Um, So by addressing these misalignments, chiropractors believe they can alleviate other symptoms and improve their patient's overall quality of life. I have I have seen a chiropractor once. Have you guys seen a chiropractor? I have. Yes. yes. I have never been to a chiropractor. Never been okay. to a chiropractor. Do you feel like the like adjustments and stuff helped?
1: I went for sciatica, so okay. and I had heard that it could really it either really works for some people and sometimes. It doesn't. And mm-hmm. for me, I felt like some relief initially, but then it came back. So it was, some, you know, and every person is different. Right. But um, the adjustment part of it felt good. It felt fine. But my pain feel, I mean, if you know what sciatic, you guys know what sciatic it is It's that nervy pain that runs down your leg. So it, you know, was something else. It didn't provide me relief. But oh. I mean, I was happy with my adjustment. Sure. It just, I had to find something else. You right. Know? Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah.
2: Yeah, and I find, too, um, sometimes with my clients I work with, but also with myself, if I have a muscle, for example, um, that's overactive and, you know, a lot of people say, like, my back went out or, what mm-hmm. you know, and, and often it's a muscle on one side of your spine that's um, too tense tight, and too yes. tight. And so you have this kind of misaligned, you know, and so um, so the. You know, person that I went to, um, which is Doctor Reed here. <laughs> so, but he's um, he does, also does like active release therapy, and so he did a lot of um, was it
1: that scraping thing. So he did
2: he grabbed and you know so yeah. so a lot of it is just kind of working with getting your body um, to relax in areas that maybe are tighter and um, and realign itself so that you can move correctly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, so I have I did find some acute benefits to that, and that that didn't come back because again it was something. I just didn't have my core engaged well when I landed on a squat jump. <laughs> so, um, oh, and then so I was like, oh, you know, exactly you know it happened. yeah. <laughs> so, um, yes. And so in teaching, you just, sometimes you're talking and not paying attention, you know? And so, um, that has happened to me once. So, um, which is good for me cause then you can relate to everyone else that, right? And right. that kind of thing happens. So yeah. I found that that was helped, definitely helpful. And again, I would, I would go to someone that that i felt confident in their abilities and knowledge and you know uh, making sure um, that they're on the same page as far as treatment goes you know yeah yeah.
0: and dr reed here is awesome if you guys have never seen dr marshall reed he's great we'll plug for him Um, but again we talked about like adjustments alignments that sort of stuff so we kind of know they do a lot of that other things too um stretching joint mobility balance soft tissue therapy kinesio taping massage therapy Um, acupuncture, cold laser therapy, um, non-surgical spinal decompression, PRP injections. Um, Some give give vitamin supplementation, which we'll go into in here in just a second. Um, Heat, ice, cooling procedures. So again, just some of the stuff that chiropractors do. Um, But as with any profession, there are some limitations. And with chiropractic, what I found is that it varies by state. Quite a bit. And some of those limitations would be practice of obstetrics or surgery, um, venipuncture, and then sometimes some nutrition limitations. Um, So depending on state, so on the state that you live in. So, for example, in Wisconsin, a chiropractor may not sell, barter, trade, or give away nutritional supplements to a patient unless the chiropractor holds a certificate for nutrition.
2: Interesting.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So. That makes sense. Yeah. So, yes,
2: mm-hmm. and that's one thing Like as far as going back to dietitians too. You know, in our code of ethics, we also are not supposed to sell nutritional supplements or um, that kind of thing as well. And so um, that's something that we also don't do here is uh, sell supplements. We do give recommendations and um, give people several options of of reputable ones that are third-party tested, you know. But as far as having, oh, you, you need to take this brand of a supplement – that the the, our governing organization feels that that would skew our opinions a little bit too much and don't recommend that which I agree with so yes yeah
0: Yeah, no I agree too and then this is kind of what I was talking about with like the differentiation in state that you live in like in Missouri you can give out supplements that are tablet capsule powder soft gel but you can't give out a supplement that's through IV or injection Mm -hmm.
1: so I don't know okay It's kind of, it's, chiropractors can do a lot of stuff. They can. There's such a range, which I think it makes it difficult when you're possibly looking for someone. I like to always get recommendations, who have you gone to for a specific ailment or, you know, issue that you're having? uh, Because I think that's really important too. But then you got to look into the background of the person and see if they, you know, if they're following the regulations or, you know, what their expertise is and, Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, it can be an experience.
3: Yeah, I think... Yeah. Yeah, go ahead, Amanda. I was going to say, I feel like a good rule of thumb, and you guys may disagree with me, but, like, the less that they do and the less they try to offer you, like, selling you things and doing, like, all these different apparatuses and tests and, like, the less that they do and the more they stick to the true science of chiropractic medicine, which Mm -hmm. is adjustments, then they're probably thinking more of like of your health rather than how they can benefit from selling you different things. And we have found with a lot of clients who come see us that chiropractors have sold them a number of different products, whether it be supplements or anything like that and that they probably don't need to be taking, we find out eventually. So it's just a good idea to really question everything and become really skeptical about what practitioners are telling you. Even us, you can always ask us, why do you say that? Where is the research? I want to see that. Because that tells us that you care about your health just as much as we do.
1: That's a good point, Mm -hmm. because uh, I had an experience with that. And it was like... A, a, like my gut was like, I'm not, why would I not just go somewhere else and get this supplement? You know, like why, you know, why here? And yeah. it just, I had never been, I'd never done it before, been in that situation. So I think it's great that you mentioned hey, we'll talk to, A dietitian or your doctor like get another opinion before you go make that purchase make sure that that's really what you need and what all is in it and you take a picture of whatever it is yeah brand and the you know so you can look it up or your doctor can or a totally you you know
0: Yeah. And it's easy to go into something like looking for one answer and then leaving like even more confused. Yes. I feel like happens often. Um, So not even just with chiropractic, with any healthcare professional you're seeing. Be sure that you're like thinking hard about the reason you're going in there and then making sure you're leaving with at least a better knowledge as to what you were looking for in the first place. Mm -hmm. Not feeling more confused. Mm -hmm. So anything to add to that? So now, kind of leaving chiropractics, we're going to talk about a DO versus an MD. And I honestly didn't know really the difference. Yeah, I I did not know either. Yeah. So an MD is a doctor of medicine. A DO is a doctor of osteopathic medicine. Both doctors, education, pretty much the same. Um, So they often do the same job, have similar schooling. However, DOs are known to practice more holistic, whole-person care, and MDs take more of an allopathic or illness-based approach, so using more like medication, surgery, and other interventions to treat illness. Um, So DOs emphasize the relationship between the mind, body, and spirit, and it focuses on treating the person as a whole and improving wellness through education and prevention. Um, So DOs also receive extra training in osteopathic manipulative medicine, so that's more of like a hands-on approach. So there is a difference in a DO and MD, but like education-wise and stuff, it's a lot of the same. Interesting.
2: Have you seen a DO, Cassie? I have not. I haven't either. But my husband, um, who is a medical doctor, did work with one for a while. And so, yeah. Yeah so yeah. but Interesting. it was yeah so they, they do I mean at least the one he worked with I'm sure again just like what we said there are vast differences <laughs> with professionals um, but, I'm, but the one he worked with did have a little bit different mindset you know again mm-hmm. um, with talking more um, more assessments and things like that um, and kind of the whole patient care a little bit more so yeah, yeah. yeah. He, it was a good experience for him he enjoyed good. it so yeah
0: and yeah. just a note on nutrition and medical studies so with MDs and DOs so in 1985, the National Academy of Sciences recommended at least 25 hours of nutrition education in medical school. But a survey of U.S. medical schools in 2010 found that only 27 percent of programs met these recommendations. Oof.
2: Yeah, that's not very many. And, <laughs> no, you know, fine. and that's something that, you know, we, we do hear a lot of times what people are saying that they're getting recommendations either from the doctors or nurses or other medical staff, you know, um, and a lot of times which everybody probably... Probably knows this, but um, but doctors have very little time to spend um, with their patients, typically because they're trying to help so many people, and so um, so sitting down and really listening to um, what that patient is going through and trying to develop an individualized um, plan or individualized recommendations is probably not going to happen. You know, so I'm saying this that the, the you know it's already kind of set up for a little bit of failure because um, just they don't have the time, and so um, so I'm saying that though, we hear a lot of kind of one size fits all, like, you know, they told me to do this or look at this website and follow this plan, um, without really, um, thinking about mate, will that work for them? Is that gonna, you know, are they going to be able to do that? Um, those kinds of things. So, so we do hear a lot of that and then frustration because it didn't work for them, you know? So, um, and again, I think a, a lot of that's just because of how um, much time they have to spend. Um, but, but we don't, I know again, um, being married to a doctor, um, how much nutrition education he got, which was not very much. (laughs) Yeah, you know firsthand. (laughs) I do.
3: (laughs) And also consider how long ago it might've been that they were in medical school, how many generations ago that might've been for them. And research in nutrition has changed so much and what we know about metabolism and body composition has changed so much. And I have found in practice that people who tend to see doctors of an older generation, there tends to be more of a focus on just like weight on the scale number and you need to lose weight, you need to lose weight for health, but they're not looking at, like, total body health all the time. They might not have the time, and they probably don't have the time to take a body composition measurement like we do here to be able to see the lean mass part of the composition as well. So it would be good to get a referral if you feel like your needs aren't being 100% met to a registered dietitian that can help you in conjunction with your normal primary care doctor.
0: Yes, Um So all good information. So that's really a DO versus an MD. Now we're going to move into functional medicine. Um, So what is functional medicine? So really it's the biology-based approach that focuses on identifying and addressing the root cause of disease. So in 1991, the Institute for Functional Medicine was founded with seven defining characteristics of functional medicine. So these include patient-centered versus disease-centered, Systems biology approach, so a web-like interconnections of physiological factors, dynamic balance of gene-environment interactions, personalized based on biochemical individuality, promotion of organ reserve and sustained health span, health as a positive vitality, not merely the absence of disease, and function versus pathology focused. So it's kind of like like their foundation, like their seven principles, I guess you could say. Um, So the training... To be a functional medicine practitioner. So once a practitioner is accepted into the functional medicine program, it's made up of six training modules focused on different systems of the body. So these include GI, detox, immune, hormone, cardiometabolic, and energy. So a lot of times these courses can be offered on site, but they can be offered virtually too, and it's about 17 credit hours. So in order to be a functional medicine or a functional medicine something, you have to go through this program really is what I, I think I'm getting at. Mm-hmm. Um, and so once the modules are completed, then you have to do a case report, which must be accepted and graded according to IFM criteria, and then a written exam must be completed with a passing grade. But you can get a, like a master's in integrative and functional medicine. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, from various universities. But peop- like many people can become a functional medicine practitioner. So MDs, DOs, chiropractors, dentists, nurse practitioners, physicians assistants, nurses, dietitians, acupuncturists, pharmacists, all of these people can be functional. So we could be like a functional medicine dietitian. Yeah. I yeah. would
3: say like a good way to sum up functional medicine is treating the disease based on like the cause of the disease. So like you might go to a physician who like, okay, you're diagnosed with diabetes, let's let's fix it with medication. And so a functional medicine person would say, okay, you're diagnosed with diabetes. What is the cause of that? Why is that happening to you? Let's look at all the factors that contribute to that and let's fix those causes first. And then we can always use medication in conjunction with or until like those other interventions become the cure, I guess.
0: yeah. And no, I think that's right. And what I think, what kind of is my drawback? I guess is a good way to say it is yeah. like a limitation. Being it's not a very like standardized way of like there's not really a good standardized way of being a functional medicine. Totally. Yeah. You know? Do they have
3: a code of ethics they abide by? Did we find
0: the not I that I've never seen. Not that <laughs> I found. Yeah. Um, And I could be wrong in that. And if you're a functional medicine person, then correct us. If yeah. Comment. Wrong. Um. <laughs> But not that I've found. And if you look up, like, how to become a functional medicine something, it's practitioner. It's There's, like, a zillion different ways to do it. So Online certifications mm-hmm. and, like, very accessible
2: for anybody in the community. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So. Yeah. And I, you know, I, I love – the concept. Me too. You know, yes, I think definitely. I really think there's a lot of promise there. There's a lot of you know. I think that um, you know our current system needs some help. You know, so I think this could be you know a lot of good answers. And I know a lot of people who have, have really been helped working with uh, functional medicine um, type of practitioners. And so, um, so like I said, um, overall, I love the concept of it. I love you know. But on the flip side. <laughs> Um, I've also seen a lot of people getting again sold a lot of things that were unnecessary, and it may it just to me it's a red flag and a little bit of a a gut. You know, feeling that it just is like, is this really um, in this my, this person's best interest that they did all of these things? And I have seen some negative um, consequences as well. And so yes. again, I love the concept. I th- I think that there's a lot of really good people out there doing a lot of good and really um, listening to people and trying to help the root cause of what's going on. And I love that. Um, but again, we've, I've just, I'm a little concerned by how popular it's getting. and by some of the things I've seen, again, that have actually been a negative for some people.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Do you have anything to add to that, Mina? No, just
3: really be question everything and be really skeptical and cynical about who is giving you the advice and really make sure that they know what they're talking about.
0: Yes.
2: Yes. I love that because to me, like you said, you know, if anyone asks, I, I would love for people to question what I'm telling yes. them too, because like you said, it's like somebody's like, why am I doing that? Why is that important? What, what is the research say? And, you know, we've talked about research before too. It just, you know, it can go um, either way. It can be biased. You know, there's a lot of things, but, but having an open conversation about that, especially if you're investing time and money and, you know, potentially your future health um, or your current health in these things, it's good to ask questions and good to be a educated to make those best decisions for yourself. It's also okay to ask your practitioner what code of
3: ethics they abide by or what is their governing body because we definitely have a governing body and I always tell clients we are legally not allowed to provide you with information that is not scientifically backed and you can totally ask your doctor or whoever you're seeing, is there some type of laws that you are following here or are you operating from a gray area?
0: Oh, I like it. (laughs) Getting. Getting down to it. I mean, you want to know if they're <laughs> going to sell
3: you stuff or stick you with needles. You want to know they know yeah. what they're doing. No, that's so true. Yeah, yeah,
0: no, that's definitely true. You want to trust who you're working with, right? Yeah. Um, and then another person who could be a functional medicine practitioner is a naturopathic doctor. Um, and there's a quick differentiation between a naturopathic doctor and a naturopath. So an ND, which is that naturopathic doctor is a regulated licensed ND. So it's a primary care practitioner who is trained to diagnose and treat all healthcare concerns. And an ND uses natural remedies to help the body heal itself. It's more of like a natural approach, a naturopath, On the other hand, um, has access to any number of programs. Uh, so many are delivered online, program length length can vary. There's no standardized or accredited curriculum nor supervised clinical experience to become a naturopath. Mm-hmm. So just keeping that in mind, if you didn't know that there was a difference, there is a big difference in the two. Um, and we already talked about limitations um, with functional medicine practitioners. Often it's not covered by insurance. Um, training's kind of a gray area. It's not 100% standardized. Sometimes they're difficult to find and get into um, because a lot of the times whenever you're working with a functional medicine practitioner, it's taking a longer period of time to get to the root cause of everything rather than like getting a prescription or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, So that can be a limitation. Um, And then not all functional medicine practitioners can prescribe medications. So just some limitations there if you were looking for that. Um, And then lastly, personal trainers. Um, so again, us three here are personal trainers. So eligibility to be a personal trainer, you have to be at least 18. You have to at least have a high school degree, be certified in CPR, AED, um, uh, and then prepare for a proctored exam and then keep up with your continuing education. Um, but oftentimes personal trainers have undergrads, bachelor's degrees, master's degrees, even doctorates. And it's just, you know. So scope-wise, personal trainers, again, this is not everything, but design safe and effective exercise programs, provide guidance to help clients achieve their personal health and fitness goals. They do pre-participation screenings, assessments, sub-max fitness testing, evaluation of clients' needs and goals, um, respond appropriately to emergency situations, um, referring clients to other healthcare professionals as needed because they you know, can't provide medical nutrition therapy, they can't prescribe supplements, mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. I think it all just goes back to... Whenever you're talking to a healthcare professional, what are you looking for? And if you're getting, like, tons of supplements and stuff pushed at you, it might just be important to, like, take a step back and be like, yeah, you know.
3: And personal trainers, if they don't have a nutrition, like a degree in nutrition, are not supposed
2: to provide meal plans and nutrition advice. Is that correct? Yeah, you're not supposed to provide a specific meal plan. Personal trainers can give um, some general nutrition advice, for example, and also know some things about nutrients. So if they have a nationally recognized like ACSM, NASM, you know, some of those organizations, they do get some nutrition education and they can give general recommendations like vitamin C is found in fruit, you know, so have more of that. Like they could give something like that, but as far as putting a specific meal plan together, like, macros, they yes, should not macros, be like macros. that kind of thing um, is not under their scope of practice. That is correct. So, um, and again, and general general stuff like um, you know eating less fast food you know that kind of you know that kind of thing they they are um, that is in their scope of practice they can do yes. okay so gotcha. yeah but as far as specific, a specific meal plan or um, managing any type of health issue, whether it's a food allergy, um, food avoidances, um, blood sugar, you know, heart disease. I mean, anything like that is definitely an absolute no. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And
3: I would say in practice, what I find, concerning sometimes people coming from having a nutrition plan from a personal trainer. First of all, they shouldn't be have like they shouldn't have a macronutrient plan from their trainer. But also I've found that a lot of trainers use their own personal biases or their own personal experience with nutrition, whether it be like super low carb or super high whatever for that client and then the client becomes frustrated because they're not hitting their goals or they don't feel good and they're like well this this is giving me this plan so trainers should definitely know what they're talking about on the on the exercise portion but it would be good to get a referral to a dietitian for the nutrition portion
0: yeah so it's just important to I think all of this what this boils down to just to be you know a, a consumer who's educated and what you're looking for, you know, Um, and just being sure that you're not being sold a bunch of stuff and that you're not leaving validated or not having tons of questions, that kind of thing. Yeah.
2: yeah, and I really think thinking about okay, you know, I think you owe it to yourself to know the background of who you're taking health advice from first of all, and then you know, secondly, some red flags, you know, if they're trying to sell you a bunch of stuff, you know, that you aren't sure, sure you need. Another one that to me is a big one is if they they say they have all the answers to fix all of your issues. <laughs> I think that's just another big one where oh well, it's it's this, and I need to do this specific thing when it's gonna get this result. And so I see a lot of that as well. Or you haven't tried my program, you know, um this will this will work for you. And um and then the other thing like Amanda said is is it a okay do what I do and you can be like me and healthy like me. Um that's another big red flag. We're gonna have a whole other podcast about like coaching and style of working with people because um but because that's something that we see a lot of um is you know I was like for example if if I I had a way I ate personally, and then I, that worked well for me. So I built my whole nutrition practice on here's my way of eating and I'm going to teach this to everyone. And that's how everyone's going to eat. Um, and in reality, most of my clients don't really know what I eat <laughs> on a day to day basis. And I, you know, again, I don't have, um, I, because that's not relevant to them, you know? And yeah. so, um, so again, that's just another big red flag, um, is I do this, you know, in certain behaviors and coaching you can um, share experiences with. But it, but if it's a, you know, I take this supplement, so you need to, too, or I eat this way, so you need to, too, that's a big red flag. Yeah.
0: So lots of red flags and stuff just to be aware of. So there are many other healthcare professional careers out there. This is just a few of them. However, these are some that consumers may be confused about in terms of what they actually do. So we hope this helps you to understand more about the professions that you are seeing.
2: Yes, there is so much information out there that it can be very, very overwhelming for people. And so um, so just make sure that you know what you're getting and you're being an advocate for yourself and for you know what you're doing to your body on a daily basis.
3: If you enjoyed today's topic, go ahead and like this episode and add a comment below. If you have a topic request, comment that below too. If you've been listening to Practical Nutrition for a while now, or are brand new to our channel, go ahead and leave us a five-star review. We are continuously trying to grow this platform to share all of the nutrition knowledge that we can, and those reviews can help us do that. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode, and we look forward to seeing you next time.